0: Hello and welcome to the next Guardian Protection podcast with me, financial journalist John Lappin. This is the second of two podcasts and we are again chatting with Vincent O'Connor, Guardian's Head of Strategic Partnerships. The other podcast was something of an introduction to Vince and his plans for working with strategic partners. We thought we would do a second one focusing in particular on the consumer duty, given there is so much to talk about and there's a lot of detail in this subject. Hello, Vince. Hi, John. Good to see you today. How big a task do you think the consumer duty is for the advice communities? And where do advisors you've taught to stand and work in Guardian help? It's difficult to generalise here, really, because I think a lot depends
1: on the firms and their processes, John. But most of the partners that I've spoken to tell me that they are in a pretty good place and they are ready for the deadline that will be in just a few weeks' time. But that isn't really to understate the extent of the task which has been given to the industry. And I think it helps if you look at what consumer duty is is trying to achieve, really, because it's not a tick box exercise. The objective really is about changing culture. And I think the requirement for evidence really does force firms to analyse approaches and processes to then document those against the FCA's new rules. I can only really talk about our experience on the provider side, but even for a relatively new company like Guardian, which was fundamentally set up with good consumer outcomes at its core, we haven't simply been able to just say, yes, we comply with this. What we've been doing is going through a robust process where we're picking out all the evidence to show and demonstrate that we are delivering according to the FCA's rules. And that's based really on those uh, consumer principles and, of course, the the cross-cutting rules that we've all heard about. If you want proof of this, if you take a look at the collated evidence that we've put on our advisor website, that's the fair value assessment and all the the corresponding evidence, you'll actually see that there today. And I think the regulators' attention really now will be on the advice community. So, from my point of view, it's about really working with our partners to understand what more help, if any, that they might need from us. And of course, we'll give them whatever they need to help
0: them comply with the duty. Okay, we've, we've seen the FCA's document looking at 14 firms work to date on fair value. You need to have a lot of understanding of where the money flows within your business, what it costs clients and different charges. Now, I get a sense most advisors are pretty good at understanding this. You know, Documenting it perhaps is more of a challenge, simply because they may not have quite done it in this way before. So what's your view of this? And what is a reasonable expectation of advisors and advice firms? From what I've seen today
1: that this is something that our partners are taking quite seriously. Every business, as you say, will know where its revenue streams are. Obviously, consumer duties about making sure those revenue streams, they're not just fair to a customer, but they're actually designed with the consumer principle and those cross-cutting rules in mind. So in other words, acting in good faith, avoiding foreseeable harm and and allowing customers to pursue the financial objectives. So. Really, a lot of what we need to do here, it's about the evidence piece. Most decent businesses have really got nothing to hide and they won't need to change any of the practices, but they will need to explain the price a customer pays for a product and service and how that is reasonable based on the overall benefits the customer can expect to receive. I don't think there's any doubt, really, that there will be more work to provide that type of evidence, certainly in the short term. But then longer term, it will be a good thing, I think, for growth across the advisory space. And I also think that once complete, firms will be able to draw upon that evidence and that in itself will make it easier to communicate the value that their advice businesses actually provide to their customers. And just thinking about this, I think one of the real benefit really is when we look over the longer term, I think that in a place where we are able to show clear evidence of what price and value looks like, that will also serve to de-risk and also increase trust in our industry That's all about good outcomes, clearly being shown, being central to every advisor's process, every conversation, recommendation, and also charging structures, I think.
0: Where are we in terms of perceptions of support? Do advisors appreciate how much help is available to their clients in this regard, when they may definitely be showing characteristics of vulnerability in particular?
1: Yeah, there has been a lot of focus. We keep talking about fair value. And also, I think, to an extent, we've seen conversations related to the impact of the foreseeable harm cross-cutting rule that I mentioned earlier. And what I mean by this is that we know that protection can address the foreseeable harm caused by the main events that we all talk about, loss of income, serious or critical illness or even death. But really as a contrast, there is clearly an important role that protection also plays at claim stage. And that's because in that moment, that's when claimants are really at their most vulnerable or very vulnerable stage dealing with the stresses of these you know, serious life events that have just happened to themselves or to a very close loved one. And you could argue that any claimant really could be showing signs and characteristics of vulnerability. So I think the level of support available at claim is something that arguably should be a fundamental consideration for advisors and certainly in relation to consumer duty. Obviously, looking at it from a guardian perspective, we've got this service called Halo. It's a bespoke claim support service, and it provides whatever the customer needs, the claimant needs, or their family needs at, the, at a time when they need it the most. And just to give you a few examples, John, we're talking about here things like emotional support, counselling, legal advice, financial advice, specialist, neurological occupational therapy, or it could be supporting returning back to work. As I said, really, we're talking about whatever the claimant needs at a time when when they're in that vulnerable position. And I do think this level of support really embedded into protection plans will continue to be an incredibly valuable commodity at a time when it's needed the most. And really, as I say, when customers are most vulnerable. So I think really from a Guardian lens, it is a good example
0: from our perspective of how we are meeting the obligations of the consumer duty. So we've seen the Protection Distributors Group talk about the need for more beneficiary nominations and even more common practice across the sector using the phrase... Reasonable interpretation of the duty, which I think is quite a good phrase in many ways, because I think that's what a a lot of very many people in financial services are going to be doing, which is seeking this reasonable interpretation. Where does Guardian stand on this?
1: Yeah, John, I I do agree with that. That is a reasonable interpretation of duty, certainly in my mind, too. I am delighted uh, to see that there's been some media coverage across the financial press recently and that call to action for our industry to fix really what has been a long standing issue in the take up of trusts for life insurance policies. And at Guardian, we definitely support the call from the PDG for increased industry use of contractual beneficiary nomination. And I'll explain the reasons why. If you go back a few years, Guardian was actually the first life insurance company in UK financial services to put in place a beneficiary nomination process in the form of our payout planner. Many advisors will be aware of that. And that's. When we launched in 2018 and I remember myself when I I didn't work for Guardian back then but it was an incredibly bold new move for the life insurance industry and really the objective is to make sure that in the event of a claim the claim goes to the right people those intended beneficiaries and also there's a benefit there where it it speeds up the payout and it it avoids probate delays we're seeing payout planner make a meaningful difference to uh, to the speed of payment claims have been paid where beneficiaries have been nominated And on average, we're seeing that half the time is needed to actually pay those claims compared to the situations where this hasn't been selected. So I am a huge advocate of this. I'm also a huge advocate of trust, as many people listening to this will know across the industry. And I think for many clients, a trust may well be a more suitable solution based on the types of needs that they have or if their estate's more complex. But really, John, payout planner provides that basic option of nominating beneficiaries at the point of sale without the need to involve anybody else, no third parties. And, you know, even if Payout Planner has been put in place, a trust would always supersede it. So, in other words, you could choose Payout Planner and then later on convert it to a trust if that's what the customer needs. So, in answer to your question, John, yes, we support the call for more beneficiary nomination across our industry. It should really be the default position taken by advisors For the clients to ensure really we're talking about
0: best possible customer outcomes. I think the duty will allow firms collectively to improve customer understanding and communications. And how does Guardian work with intermediaries to deliver this across the protection market? Um, From a Guardian
1: point of view, I think improving understanding and communication clearly, if you look at anything that we've published. Is something we've been working very hard to do day in and day out across the business. And it's evident, really, when you look at things like our policy documents, terms and conditions, trust forms, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they are deliberately written with the customer in mind, plain language, and an understandable text. So I think it does form part of my role as head of strategic partnerships. We know that protection is incredibly important, it helps families and it helps individuals improve their financial resilience. And we know that some of the best outcomes happen when an advisor is able to help customers understand all the options. In other words, translate complicated things into things which are easy to understand. And I think the duty on its own, John, doesn't necessarily improve customer understanding, but it does mean advisors who perhaps were less focused on it in the past might be a bit more focused on it now. And I think if you look across all of our strategic partnerships that we work with, advisors Certainly are having more of a do it or refer it don't ignore it approach, uh, in other words, we shouldn't be walking past protection needs, so ultimately that's the focus for me really, and it's going to be really helpful, I think, as we start to see how things settle across the
0: industry, and in my opinion, it actually means a much bigger opportunity for protection. How do you avoid a sense of big firms telling advisers what to do in duty terms? while also not being complacent because you know everyone's going to have to comply as well. Yeah, I think that's a good question, John. I think certainly when you look across all distributors, then
1: distributors aren't responsible to us as providers in this respect. But I think certainly it's not our role to tell any of our partners or advice firms what they should be doing. But at the same time, I think equally, we are quite acutely aware of the workload and really for the right reasons that are created by consumer duty. And it's worth bearing in mind as well that we do have a slightly different vantage point to most where we're able to observe how consumer duty is being implemented across the whole of the industry and across all of our distribution partners. So we're in a good position to provide support to our partners, give them what they need, whatever they need in terms of help over and above what we've already provided. So
0: obviously do get in touch if you need any help. Thanks very much, Vince, for uh, talking to the podcast today. Thank you.